Welcome to Joyosity. I'm Jen Whitmer. I'm a speaker, consultant, and joy bringer, helping you create positive culture with complex people. Because listen, that's all we got. I'm thrilled you were here. So get yourself ready. Grab your multiple beverages, get your speaker, your headphones connected so we can dive in. True leadership requires more than just surface level strategies. It requires a profound connection to everything that makes us human. Each week, I have conversations with experts and leaders and you. If you're listening live, introduce yourself in the comments. Let us know where you are in the world and maybe what's in that mug on your desk. We're connecting as humans, remember? These conversations aren't just fun banter and information. Joyosity is so much more than a live show and a podcast. It's a movement, a space where we dare to explore the depths of our own hearts and minds, a liminal space where you are free to play around and beta test your own growth, sort of like a test kitchen lab for your leadership skills. It's where you discover that real joy has deep roots, a playground to find the hidden truths, the ideas waiting to be explored, and the untamed potential that lies within you. We're not just hanging out in idea land. We're talking about the best actions that develop you as a person and hone your skills as a leader. If you're an experienced leader or just starting out, Joyosity is the community for you. Join us every Monday live at 1 p.m. Eastern on LinkedIn and YouTube for a dose of inspiration and practical advice. Whether you are live in the comments or catching the podcast later, we're here to help you create a place where work is a joy, people are whole, and organizations flourish. Let's go. Good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to Joyosity, where we are working on creating what? A positive culture. And so today I am doing a mini workshop. So it is Jen Solo episode, and I'm so glad that you are here. So if you have questions as you were in the comments, if you are catching this replay later, please feel free to drop your questions in the comments. I can't wait to dive into this one because this is a topic I am incredibly passionate about. I've got some strong, feisty opinions, and they come from some deep pain, which unfortunately I think many of you may have experienced. So I um, loved, loved, loved a dream job that I had. Of course, it was a dream job. Of course, I loved it. And I was working as an assistant head of school. We were leading this fantastic organization. And I had a leader that I just learned so much from every single day. And the way that he treated people, the way that he thought about values and vision and all of these sorts of things, I just soaked it all up. And then we had a change of leadership. And what was this beautiful place turned into a toxic place, a place where I was experiencing workplace trauma that meant I was exhausted. It meant that I went home every day feeling like I didn't do anything. I didn't accomplish anything meaningful. I just was spinning my wheels. And I had a complete lack of creativity. It was very much a place of just getting through the motions. And I don't know if any of you have felt that way, Sunny, Christine, those of you watching, have you ever felt that where it's this feeling of an exhaustion that is bone weary, but isn't physical? 
And, and that's that place of missing a healthy and positive culture. It's a place where you really just don't get stuff done and let alone just your targets or your profits. It's a, a space where you lack meaning. And that is what we talk about here all the time of how to avoid that and create a positive culture. Because what we want is what I was experiencing, a place where every day I knew that I was doing something that was meaningful. I was doing something that was aligned internally and I felt supported by my leader. I felt like I was supporting my faculty and staff and the people who were under me. And we walked away. I might've felt tired at the end of the day and not that every day was easy. And there were some days that were really, really hard, but I didn't have that bone level of exhaustion. I felt good tired. Like that tired when you swum all day outside as a kid and you're like, oh, I'm sitting and I'm feeling so good. That's that kind of tired, a tired that felt aligned and meaningful. And like all of my effort was going in one direction. And that's that feeling of pleasure. And yeah, I'm Sunny and Christine, you both experienced this feeling of difficulty and knowing that it can be different. And that's the feeling of a positive culture. There's all these definitions and I'm going to get into those and uh, a little bit, but when we think about positive culture, it's more than just that feeling. There's so much research about positive culture and a people first culture. And a couple of them, as I was preparing for this, that there's profits that are almost four times the amount of other cultures. I know I get pushback all the time and um, we kind of think that a positive culture is just an extra. That's just nice to have when actually it is the thing that drives profits. It's the thing that drives all the work that you actually do. Because we think, oh, I just need to try harder. Anybody in the try harder crowd? Um, I just need to buckle down. You know, like I just need to get my stuff done. Um, what if you're in the like, oh, let's make efficiencies. If I can just make it more efficient, then we can have this great profit or we can create the space that we want. Or what if we just made the rules clearer? We just need more policies in place to make sure that what we want happens, happens. All of those don't actually get you what you want. And I'm super curious if you're listening in the comments, if you've ever heard that from people before, like we just need to buckle down. We need to create efficiencies. Well, we just need to try harder. We just need to stay positive. Those are empty promises. I mean, they're not even really empty promises. They're just empty statements that don't get us where we want to go. And those are the missteps that we take. And really the truth is that positive culture always starts with people. It always starts with people because people are what solve the problems. People are the ones who get the work done. They are the ones who design and create and envision and all of those things. It's about the people, the people that you're sending the emails to. It's about the people that you are paying. It is about the people who are inter interfacing. That's not the word I wanted to say. Interacting with your clients. It's the people. The people are the heart of your of your profits because positive culture starts with people. And you can go all day, every day going profit first. And I will go to the mattresses on this. But if you forget 
that your people are the ones that make it happen, your profits will be lower and research backs it up. So what do we do? What do we do in this place? I mean, if you want that before I even tell you how, is that what you want? Do you want positive culture? Do you want to understand how to do that with people? Because that's what feels so good. Yeah, Christine, positive culture absolutely has to start with people because people are who we are. And, and you are a person in a group of people, in a community. And so when you are working together for a goal um, in a business, which is to solve a problem that someone will pay you for, positive culture has to start with the people doing the work. Like I said, the people you're emailing, the people that you are interacting with, that's people. So I'm loving the comment, love. Thank you so much for agreeing with me. It always feels really good. But so, so what do we do? What are the three things that we need to do? We all love a good three-step process. So what I'm going to give you today is not only just, I've talked about the why people are important, but really how we start to do that work. So if you are somebody who is um, wondering like, okay, that's all great and good. Now tell me what <laughs> I am here for you today. So the first thing is when we're dealing with people. We have to actually begin with personalities. And so personalities um, get really confusing. A lot of people think personalities are how you show up. They think that you're, they're your behaviors. They think that you are the things that you do or the way that you think. And all of those are components of how your personality shows up in the world. But actually personality is the way you see the world, how you make sense of the world and why you think, act and feel the way you do. That is your personality. So some people believe that if I can just change my personality, then I'm going to be a great worker. If I could change this team worker's personality, then everything would be okay. That's not going to help you because personalities don't really change, but you can change what you do with the personalities that you have. And so you have to explore them with curiosity. You have to be like, Ooh, what, what is this? How is this showing up? So if you are dealing with different personalities, it's different ways of seeing the world. Now there are all kinds of personality tools and assessments. I would love for you to tell me in the comments, or if you're just listening, you know, as you're driving down the road, uh, you can say it out loud, but if you're in the comments, tell me what are some of the personality assessments that you've used? What are the kinds of things that you have been exposed to in understanding personality? The ones that I have dealt with are Strengths Finders, Myers-Briggs, Colby, DISC, Play Personalities. There's the Color Personalities. There's all these different kinds of personality frameworks out in the world. My favorite, not because I just like it so much, but because I have found it to be the most effective in actually creating change is the Enneagram. So all the other tools give us some really great information. They have their place and I like them and I still talk about them and use them in my teaching and speaking and coaching when I'm working with clients individually or when I am working with groups, I still use them. But the reason I come back to the Enneagram over insights or over Colby or over strengths is because it actually helps create change. Because my fear is what happens is we develop these personality tools and somebody is so excited and they bring them in for this like all team meeting. And then you get a poster and you put it on your desk and everybody's like, oh, great, you're an ENFJ. And then now what? What does that mean? How do I use it? I don't know what that means in my space. Have any of you ever experienced that? And then it just feels like, well, now I just feel labeled and put into a box. That's not what we want. 
When we talk about exploring personalities, the reason I use the Enneagram is because it tells us why. And when you understand why a problem exists, any engineers out there, root cause analysis, okay, why a problem exists or why I see something a certain way, then you can do something with it. And so that's why I like using the Enneagram as the personality tool when you're talking about creating a positive culture. Because if you can understand why someone is motivated to a certain behavior, then you can do something with their thoughts, feelings, and actions. Because you can change your thoughts, feelings, and actions. The deep motivation isn't what's going to change. That's how you learn how to interact with each other. And so when I'm working with teams and we understand the whys, then we start to understand this special symphony that each individual team has. And what shows up when you start working with that is understanding and belonging and feeling seen which is the heart of a positive culture. So that's why I work with personalities because personalities are going to show up and you work with a personality that you have, not the ones that you wish that you had. And so working with the personalities that you have helps people feel seen and you start to create that positive culture in exploring the people that you are working with. So that's number one is understanding personalities. Number two is actually metacognition. Now, metacognition is a super fancy word for the way you think about your thinking. Another simpler way to phrase it is the stories. The stories that we tell, the stories, not just the ones that we say out loud. When Sometimes when I say that, you know, people pop it, are you talking about like telling the story of Little Red Riding Hood? Are you talking about the story we tell about our company? Sort of, but it's way deeper than that. When we talk about metacognition, we are talking about the stories that we create to make sense of the world, the meaning that we make from situations. And if you don't understand the meaning that you make from a situation, you will always misunderstand yourself and others and make inefficient and unhelpful choices. So when I talk about these stories that we tell ourselves or the stories we tell about others, that means examining your thinking. That's what metacognition is. And so have you ever, has anybody ever asked you that question? What is the meaning that you are making from this? Now, sometimes when we say, what's the story I'm telling myself? When I was little, my grandma Delario would be like, are you telling a story? Are you telling a story? Which meant I was telling a lie or am I making something up? And when we talk about our own metacognition, we can get all that kind of shame about, oh, I'm making up a story and it's not true. I want you to release the shame and observe yourself kind of like, um, an experiment. I wonder what the meaning is that I'm making. What am I creating from this? We create a meaning when someone is late to the meeting. We create a meaning when we don't understand what our leader is telling us. We create a meaning when somebody says one thing and does another. That doesn't mean those meanings are wrong or bad, but it means we have to understand the meaning that we have created. And when that metacognition space of understanding your stories, the narrative that you are in is how you start to change behavior. So what is so powerful about this is because your meaning will determine your results. So something happens and then we make a meaning out of that. That's the story. Then we act on that meaning. So if we act on the meaning, our actions determine our results. 
That's why stories are powerful. That's why the metacognition is so important because something is always going to happen. I'm super curious if I just say, what happened to you this weekend? Something happened. I had a, a really challenging weekend that was actually full of grief and joy and pain and dealing with the death of a friend and helping my friend who is his widow. There was a lot of meaning that was coming from that, that carries over into my workday, that carries over into how I lead my team. And the meaning that we create from that determines our actions, which will determine your results. So the meaning that we make, we have to be able to observe. And that's metacognition. And as a leader, you have to help other people also see how they're thinking about something. That gets into the nitty gritty of the very work that we do. So the meaning that we create, that metacognitive noticing, shall we say, is the powerful thing about people. Because you know what? Every code has been put in by a person. Like the humans are the people that think and have stories. That is not the tools that we're working with. As much as I like to say, why are you making this difficult to me about my computer? It doesn't actually have a story. I have created that story. So helping other people understand their stories and your team story and creating a space where how different people think is noticed and observed and then understood, that is the power of understanding people. So that's the second thing you have to explore. First, personality. So why people act, think, and feel the way they do. Two, noticing and observing meaning and metacognition, because that's going to determine your results. And then number three are your values. So I'm super curious. And when I say values, do you know what yours are? If you're in the comments, have you ever done some kind of values exploration? Have you defined your values? When I'm working with clients, both corporate clients as an organization and individual clients, I do a values exercise and we rate our values uh, on our stoplight traffic light exercise. Red, I didn't even know that I had values. You do, you just haven't labeled them. You know, yellow, I have values, but they don't actually impact what I do. And green is, I know what they are. I've defined them and I live by them every day. That is a powerful space. And because those values are showing up, whether you have labeled them or not. And so if you don't know what your values are, they're showing up in all these crazy ways. And when your values get stepped on or you are living outside of your values, you feel this misalignment, this like, I don't know. Remember when I was talking about I felt exhausted every day? It's because it wasn't actually living aligned with my values. I was struggling because these values were not lining up. The values that our organization was saying we lived by were not what we were living by. That's what creates a toxic culture, this misalignment between what we say and what we do. And when you clarify your values, then you have to live by your values. So many of us are in that space, Sunny, where you've discussed them, but you haven't really like identified or labeled them. Lots of us are in that space. It's really, really common. And what's hard about that is it gets fuzzy. Do I know what my values are? Because I don't exactly understand why I feel misaligned. When I can say my values are joy, curiosity, connection, flourishing, value, valor, I know when that's been stepped on. So in this uh, work environment, one of the things I really struggled with with my leader is that he would say one thing to one person and say something to something else, somebody else, because of whatever reason he had. That was the behavior. And my value of valor 
really got stepped on because I believe valor is part of speaking truth to power, even when it's hard and difficult or speaking truth and bravery in action, even when it's challenging. And so I had this constant misalignment because I was seeing this behavior and it wasn't working. And then I started not doing it too. I started not living by my value. That cycle is what creates a toxic culture versus a positive culture where our values are clearly defined. And it's not just a poster on the wall, friends. It is a definition of what does this valor, what does this value mean to me? I just told you what valor means to me. I have a clear definition. And I also know what that looks like in my organization, in my team that I lead. I know how it shows up. It's part of our organizational structure. We keep living by our values. When you explore your values, you you create a positive culture where people can say, yes, I can get on board with that. And yes, because that's aligned with my values. And we go home with that good swimming pool tired versus the exhaustion of a culture that is misaligned. So those are the three things that when you're talking about people being the heart of your culture that you have to explore, your personality. And I forgot to say, if you are interested in more understanding the Enneagram, you can go to jenwhitmer.com slash Enneagram and get a free um, download about the different types, what the Enneagram is, the nine types and how to discover yours that will be really helpful to you. So understanding personality of you and your team, understanding your metacognition, the meaning that you create. And number three is knowing your values. Those are the three things that we need. So as I think about this and we, you know, are, are you living in that space where you're willing to explore those three things? Are you willing to explore personality, understand why? Are you willing to ask, what is the meaning that I'm making? What is the meaning that you're making and exploring with curiosity? Do you know your values? How can you start to think about that in a way that creates this positive culture of putting people first? That's the how of putting people at the heart of a positive culture. So I just want you to imagine for a moment, like go down to dreamland with me and use your imagination of what would it feel like to be that aligned, to know that your values are incorporated into the work that you do uh, throughout your organization, that your team really does what your team says it does, that people feel very much seen and heard and welcomed regardless of their personality, regardless of their background. In fact, not just regardless, but actually because of that, we welcome that in. If you were welcomed into that space, what does it feel like to be that connected to meaning at work? It's positive. It creates that space of joy. It creates that space of good tired where you know the work that you're doing is meaningful for very specific reasons because it's aligned to your values. You know how to understand the results that you are creating because you know the meaning that you're making that determines your actions, that determines your results. All of those things create a positive culture, but you have to start with the people. <laughs> You can't just make a positive culture out of creating efficiencies about putting some things up on a wall and having a great strategy session one time. You have to start with people because people are the heart of your profits. That's how you create them. So here's what I would love for you to do. I'd love for you to consider two things. One, um, how can you explore 
your personality first. Explore the way you think about stories and explore your own values. I would love to help you if you go to jenwitmer.com slash Enneagram. Like I said, you can get that Enneagram tool. But what's the next step for you in that space? And number two, I would love to offer you what I call a spark call. So it's just a 15 minute phone call. And if that is for you, for your organization of like, hey, we need this. I'm noticing that the people aspect is we want that, but we don't know how, or we've just gotten real big, real fast. We've scaled and we're losing the positive culture we had before. Let's just talk. I'm happy to brainstorm a few things with you and talk about that. Or maybe that's what you want individually. Individually, you're like, I need to get this sorted for myself. So if you want that, you can go to jenwitmer.com slash spark call um, and we can hop on the phone for 15 minutes and really discuss that because we'll come back to that space of people, people are at the heart of your culture. That's where culture begins and that's where your business will thrive. I can give you all the data in the world that can back this up, but I think you know right now what it feels like when you're existing in toxicity and difficulty and pain versus what it feels like when you are welcomed, when you welcome others, you feel connected and aligned at work. That's the pace. That's the place that we're going. And that's the place that will bring you all of the, the, the profits and the positivity that you actually want. So I hope that this was helpful for you today. And as if you are listening in the podcast or if you're here live, I'd love to know what was helpful for you today. When you're thinking about these three things you want to explore, what do you want to explore first? What's your next action step? So those are the things I would like to leave you with because people, 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 positive cultures start with people. All right, everybody. I hope that you have a fantastic week. If this was helpful for you, share it with some folks because I am super passionate about the fact that we can return the joy to work by putting people at the heart of our culture. All right, everybody. Have a great day. So let me put my coach hat on for just a sec. Don't just leave this here. Take a moment. What did you learn? What's your next tiny action step? Share this episode with someone and tell them. Connect with us to keep this conversation going. As always, I'm Jen Whitmer. Thank you for listening to Joyosity. I don't take for granted that your earballs have a lot of information coming at you. Please take a moment to rate and subscribe. It really helps more people join us in creating positive culture with complex people. So work is a joy, people are whole, and organizations flourish. Can't wait for you to join us next week.